welcome back to Blue Skies and Green Pastures. I'm your host, Paula Adams. Today, I would like to discuss God. What is God? Who is God? Can we know God? Is God something that we create in our own minds? Or are we God? Is everyone God? Well, the Bible answers those questions for us. And the world is also the proof that God exists. So let's just jump right in. I only have a few minutes that I wanted to get this down, and I hope that it will be worth your listening time. I do appreciate your um, taking the time to listen to my podcast because I know that there are many other podcasts out there. So thanks again for listening. Okay, God, this is something I thought about this morning. God is not an abstract concept or construct. God is not abstract. Okay, so what does that mean? That means that God is something that is real. It is something that he is something that has characteristics, has his own defined variables. His, he has traits. He has an existence apart from what something else imposes upon him. For example, um, a couch. I'm looking at a couch right now. That couch is concrete. It, it exists. It's not, you know, I'm not making it up in my mind. I'm not deciding what it what its traits are it's you know a six foot long couch it has three cushions on the on the seating area it it's made from a particular fabric not a very nice one and it was constructed in a factory well god has traits like that he was not constructed in a factory but he has particular characteristics apart from anything that we might imagine him to be. And the only way we can know anything about him, apart from just knowing that he exists, because we exist and the world exists, we know that there's a creator just by looking around because it is illogical for there not to have been a a starting point for the world. Whether you want to say that the world was created through a an explosion, well, if that's not what the Bible says, but maybe some people could interpret it that way. But even then, the hydrogen and and um, oxygen and carbon and all these things, they had to come from somewhere. And that somewhere was God. God created the world and everything in it. But we know that God exists. So we can see that in in his creation. But he also left us his, his written record. So back to God and his character traits. So how can we specifically know what God is like? Well, we have to 
read what Jesus said about God, because Jesus came as a representative of God, and he showed us God's characteristics. And the most important one for all of us is that God is merciful. He's merciful and he's gracious to those who believe in him and who honor him. And we sometimes use the word fear because the Bible uses that word. But what that means is is to respect God as our authority. And, you know, you can't truly respect God if you think he is an abstract concept or if you think that you get to define his his characteristics. So that's why we have to read the Bible, see what Jesus said about God, see what the Old Testament says about God. So I highly recommend getting a book on the character of God and and read all the verses. God is holy. He's righteous. He's um he is patient. He is kind. He rewards those who who um put their faith in him. He punishes those who rebel against him. He has he is a god of justice and he is a god with a plan and God's plans he can change his mind, he can delay his plans. So his plans actually kind of um sometimes depend on us like and that's hard to explain because God is God is not dependent on the um time like time passing. He's outside of time. That's one of his characteristics. We live in time. Like right now, it's 9:52 a.m. and tick 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 the time is passing. I'm getting older and by the in you know a couple months it's going to be the end of this year. A calendar, we have clocks, we have seasons, but for God, he is outside of time. So how can we cooperate with God? That's kind of hard for us to understand, but we can read in the Bible that when, for example, Jonah, God gave Jonah an assignment and he told him to go to the people of Nineveh and warn them that they were about to be destroyed because of their extreme sin. And Jonah did not want to do it because he was a stubborn guy and he didn't like the Ninevites and he was probably afraid they would kill him. So instead he ran away, but God made sure, you know, I'm not going to go into that whole story. Read it in the Bible. It's a really good one. Um, He ended up going to the people of Nineveh and those people did repent of their sins for a while. And since they did, God held back his wrath until later when they got really bad again. So we can see that, you know, he changed his plans temporarily until the people rebelled again. And we see that happen quite a bit in the Bible, where people will 
start to obey God for a while and he will withhold his punishment from them. He'll, he'll hold back the armies or, or the plagues or whatever that he had promised to send because they, they ask God to forgive their sins. And that is actually something that we, as anyone who believes in God, if you don't want to get in trouble, you need to confess your sins and repent and stop sinning. There may still be some consequences of your actions, but they won't probably won't be as bad because God can intervene in your life. God can do a miracle when, even when things seem really bad. Like, you may look at your life, you may see only hopelessness. You may think, there's no way that anything good, there's no way out of this. I am trapped. I'm in the bear trap. My leg is trapped and the, you know, the bear is going to come and eat me. Um, But if you cry out to God, God hears you. Ask him to forgive you for the sins that put you in that trap. Tell him that you know that you are helpless and that you need his help. And you never know. Some He might just happen to show a way out of that trap. That doesn't mean that you might not suffer some consequences for a while, but he can change your path. So anyone who's listening to this, it's never, there's never anything too hard for God. I mean, there are so many stories in the Bible where people who cried out to God, God rescued them. And that's why Jesus came was to rescue us because we are helpless when we are still lost in our sins. So back to God's character traits, you see how merciful God is to send us this rescuer, which is what Jesus was. He was a he was fully God and fully man. So when he was on earth as a human, he came to tell us, look, this is what you need to do. Repent and put your faith in, in me as your savior because I am God's representative on earth. But he was actually God too. God has specific character traits because he is a real being. He we don't get to define God. Okay, we know that God is love, but that is a comprehensive, you know, that is a general term that covers all of God's characters, character traits. So everything God does is right and good. However, he is also unable to sin, That mean, which is means that he will judge this earth eventually because Satan is very good at uh, deceiving people. And so one of the ways he deceives people is through spirituality and the idea of New Age beliefs. New Age spirituality and um, fake Christianity tells people that they get to define, you know, the way they think God is. But that's not it. You have to read your Bible. There's only one God, and he has defined traits. He defines himself. He does not allow us to define him. I pray that you will 
You will seek him today. Jesus says, if you will knock on the door, he will open it. So just say this simple prayer, Lord, I don't know you, but I want to know you. I know that you must be real because I see your the evidence of your creation all around me. So please help me to know you better and get your Bible and read it and ask God to help you understand it. So before you go, looking on the gotquestions.org, I found a really good article called What are the Most Important Things to Understand About the Nature of God? And I thought I would share some of this with you. And I actually just uh, recorded this whole thing. And for some reason, my app is giving me trouble. So Psalm 99.9 or 99 verse 9 says, Exalt the Lord our God and worship at his holy mountain, for the Lord our God is holy. Hebrews 12.29 says that our God's holiness makes him a consuming fire that will judge. In other words, the most important element of God's nature is that he is holy. He is also an eternal spirit. He is one God in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He does not have a physical body, although the Son took on a body. And a doctrine is false if it denies this idea of the Trinity or if it views God as a man or if it denies the humanity and deity of Christ. So Second John 7 says, For many deceivers have gone out into the world. Those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh, such a one is the deceiver and the antichrist. So any religion that does not believe that Jesus was God in the flesh is a false religion. God is also by nature sovereign. He is judged by no one and has absolute authority over the entire universe and everything in it. God's ways are always fair whether we like them or not. He is not able to sin or do anything wrong. He does not change. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I, the Lord, do not change, he says. We can depend on him. He is. Um, he knows everything from eternity past to eternity future. And he has personal knowledge of you and every other person who has ever lived. Jeremiah 1.5 says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. We must not overlook God's wrath, which flows from his holiness. God has a righteous anger against sin. And because of God's impending judgment, Mankind needs the gospel message of grace and salvation. It is also God's nature to love, and in his love for the world, he sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to redeem us. Love is more than an attribute of God. He is literally the essence of love. This is stated clearly in 1 John 4, 8. Whoever does not love does not know God, 
because God is love. So if you want to know more about the nature of God, I, I encourage you to read the Bible and read it like a detective. Look for the ways, look for, you know, clues like, oh, what does this tell me about God? And you will start to see that God is not like a human at all. He's not like, he is a, our father, he calls himself a father, but he is not like the bad fathers that so many people have had in the world because we're just weak humans, right? So don't compare God to your father. And he is also the creator of the universe and so many other things. So get to know him before you uh, say that you believe in him. Find out, do you really know him at all? Too many people claim to believe in God and really don't know anything about him, couldn't, couldn't describe him. You know, ask yourself, what is God like? Can you, can you give a good answer to that question? Because if you can't, you need to get to know him better. And like I said earlier, we get to know him through knowing Jesus too. So you can learn about the God of the Old Testament. And, you know, some people think that there's a difference between the God of the Old Testament and the God of the New Testament. There's not a difference. It's just that in the Old Testament, the people were under the law. And now in the New Testament, we see the story of God's grace and mercy and we thank God for that. We are, we are very blessed to have God's mercy. So I hope this little extra bit has been helpful to you. And thanks again for listening to Blue Skies and Green Pastures. So <clears throat> I thought I should look up and find out exactly some examples of what progressive Christian thought leaders teach about God. And boy, oh boy, it is definitely not Christianity. For example, here is an article I found on progressivechristianity.org. It was written in 2007, so it's kind of old, and the author is Jean Marshall, and the title is God and Progressive Christianity. It says, progressive Christians are achieving great clarity about the historical development of the Bible and about viewing biblical passages in a metaphorical rather than a literal way. And that, you know, that's the pretty much the essence of progressive Christianity is they don't take the Bible literal. Using the word God, however, continues to be an area of unclarity and outright confusion. It is, I believe, helpful to begin with H. Richard Niebuhr's insight that the word God is a devotional word, much like the word sweetheart. Sweetheart points to a particular person, but it also expresses a quality of relationship. 
Similarly, the word God includes the meanings of loyalty, commitment, trust, friendship, and passionate devotion. At the same time, God, as used in the Bible, points to an actual experience, an actual encounter with, how, we sh- how shall we say it, the ground of our being, the mystery, depth, and greatness of our lives, final reality, reality as a whole, the mystery that will not go away. Okay, so that was their this guy's description of God. The ground of our being, the mystery, depth, and greatness of our lives, final reality, reality as a whole, the mystery that will not go away. So if we scroll past a few things here, he says, God, okay, he just he's talking about an essay by Paul Tillich, And it says, Tillich says that God is not a thing among other things or a person, but the ground of being that is beyond all beings, beyond all persons. This ground of being is an inescapable overallness, with a capital O, with which we have a relationship, whether we relate to this ground as our God or not. So that's a, a lot of words that really don't say much more than the fact that God is above everything else. Uh, later he says, This active, often fierce process moving toward us in every moment is our relationship with God, the God that Jesus worshipped, and the God that the Bible insists is our only appropriate worship. This biblical God is not a being among other beings, not a supernatural being among other supernatural beings, not a being at all, not a person, nor an inanimate thing, or a collection of things, but being as a whole. Okay, I think we get... We get the idea here that he's he's saying that God is more than everything else. We get that idea. Most Christians, including progressive Christians, tend to see God as a supernatural being, a being alongside other beings, a super being in another world of beings. This view is not the biblical view of God. When the Bible and other Christian classics seem to refer to an otherworldly person, We need to remember that these writings are poetry, ancient poetry. The biblical writers were using mythic language. People who lived in pre-modern times had no difficulty using mythic language. It was their way of talking about their life experiences. They were not literalists who believed that they could visit this super place and pull on God's beard. Literalism is a modern construction a heresy, a departure from the origin of Christianity. Uh, Many great theologians all reject viewing God as a thing or a person. Well, I don't think if you listen to my, what I just said about God in my earlier in the podcast, I never said that he was a thing or a person. Well, maybe I said he was a person but maybe personality would be a better thing. He's not a human. Let's put it that way. Um, hang on just a second. 
Okay, so he goes on trying to talk about, trying to describe God without using the Bible. And that's pretty much what progressive Christians do, is they just come up with all this gobbledygook. Our curiosity and openness to know more about nature and humanity is an experience of the infinite mystery. Curiosity about reality is openness to God. So it's it's just new age spirituality, blah, blah, blah. Why We don't need that. The Bible tells us exactly what we need to know about God and his nature. Uh, da, da, da. This everyday experience of infinite silence is an experience of what the Bible points to with the word God. Uh, I don't think so. Okay, so you can see here that that this is a bunch of gobbledygook. And if you go to whitehorsen.org, we have an article from 2021 about progressive Christianity. The movement seeks to reinterpret the Bible, reassess historic doctrines, and redefine core tenets of the faith. While claiming the title Christian and boasting a high view of the Bible, it is sweeping up many unsuspecting Christians into a false view of who God is and how he saves people. But it can be very difficult to spot. They do not introduce themselves and say, I'm here to preach a different gospel. It's a very subtle shift unless you know the basics. And she gives, this is an article by Elisa Childers. Childers. And it says that they will typically deny one or more of the doctrines in this list while also affirming one or more of the doctrines in the second list. So they will often deny the atonement and sometimes call it cosmic child abuse. They will deny biblical authority and claim that it was just written by humans. Although some of them will do a good job of pretending to believe the Bible or outright lying in their mission statement, their, their belief statement, and claiming that they stand on the word of God, but then later you find out that they meant that in a totally different definition. They will, they will roundly reject the doctrine of original sin. And they don't deny that sin exists, but they deny the idea that we have a sin nature. Um, they will deny the deity of Jesus, not all of them, but this idea of Jesus as God doesn't fit well into their other doctrines. They will deny sometimes the physical resurrection of Jesus, the virgin birth, the trinity, the sinlessness of Jesus, and then they will affirm some of these things. Um... LGBTQ relationships and marriage is one of the hallmarks of progressive Christianity within the church. They will um, affirm that everyone goes to heaven. And they will affirm social justice and critical theory. 
They will affirm religious pluralism that not only that Christianity is not the only way to God. They will also affirm pantheism, panentheism, and perennialism. Progressive Christians um, promote the idea that different religions share the same truth at their core and that, that divine reality can be discovered through mysticism and contemplative practices. So the next time you read a book, listen to a podcast or sermon, put the writer or speaker to the test. Do they deny one or more doctrines in the list? And this is my point. You, you may not be able to tell from one sermon. So before you support a preacher, you need to, you need to like look into them because everyone is suspect these days. <laughs> That's why I like listening to the old preachers who were extremely traditional and stuck to the old doctrines. But even today, even some older preachers can't be trusted. So if you want to know more about progressive Christianity and the, the lies that they teach, you you can go on YouTube and you can listen to some of the like uh, Brian McLaren is a really bad one, and there's some others. There is a guy named Marcus Borg, who he was already dead now, but he was considered a widely known and influential voice in liberal Christianity who denied most of the traditional uh, established beliefs of the church. So... If you hear the word Borg, run away. So, sorry to keep on adding to this podcast, but I just think knowing God and what the Bible says about God and interpreting it correctly, I mean, you have, I admit that there are different interpretations of Scripture, I'm aware of this, but ask yourself, does this make sense in the overall picture of the Bible, what the Bible is teaching? It's it's not that complicated. And one thing I've noticed about these progressive pastors, they make it all very complicated. Like that article I was just reading... What a bunch of nonsense. I mean, there's no reason for that. They're they're trying to make it very mystical, very um just like the Gnostics in the the you know, um Paul tried to warn people about in the Bible and John also. They want to have some secret knowledge that only they have. But Jesus is not a did not come to bring secret knowledge. He says, whoever has ears to ear, hear, let him hear. And he says, if you want to know me, here I am, come and, come and get to know me. But that means you have to not be prideful. And that's the one thing I really see in all progressive pastors is this, this pride and arrogance against 
the God of the Bible, and they, they want to remake him in their own image. They want to make him fit the culture that they live in. They want to be popular, and they want to be the ones who get to define God. So as I said earlier, we don't get to define who God is. He is, he is already in existence, and he has already defined himself as the great I am. And nothing else matters, so beware these false teachers. The following is a writing from progressivechristianity.org entitled, I Am God. I am reading this the way it was written, but that the point is not that I believe in this. The point is that this is heresy. Okay, this is what it says, and this was just written October 22nd. The mystic, seeking first-hand experience of the divine, soon discovers that the entire universe is conscious and alive, saturated by an all-encompassing and loving presence. In this sacred and timeless consciousness, God is revealed as both self and creation, and a great peace begins to melt humanity's fever dream of scarcity and conflict. The inspired revelations shared here bring this awareness directly to you, an experience that is transformational, joyous, and liberating. Read these revelations slowly and consciously. Written in mystical consciousness, they carry its spiritual energy in their words and revelation. Discuss these verses with friends. Read them out loud. Approach them with a still and silent mind. Okay, I'm skipping ahead a little bit. Uh, I missed the part where it says... Okay, of course you alone are not God. That would be colossal egotism. But when the idea of you dissolves in mystical consciousness, what's left is God, your truest self. Finally, you'll never really know God if you keep putting God far away, projecting this essence of yourself outside you. Believing the power is somewhere else diminishes it and leaves you waiting for a divine other to act when that divine other is you. Instead of waiting for it to respond, recognize the power resides in you. Only by being God will you feel the full power and transformational possibilities of joy, love, and revelation. Okay, so who wrote this? Well, John Robinson is a clinical psychologist with a second doctorate in ministry. He is an ordained interfaith minister. He has written 11 books and numerous articles on the psychology, spirituality, and mysticism of the new aging, not age, aging, and a frequent speaker at conscious aging conferences across the country. His recent book, Mystical Activism, Transforming a World in Crisis argues that a mystical awareness of life is critical to our survival in the rapidly approaching climate crisis. 
His major works include Death of a Hero, Birth of the Soul. But Where is God? Psychotherapy and the Religious Search. Ordinary Enlightenment. Finding Heaven Here. The Three Secrets of Aging. Bedtime Stories for Elders. What Aging Men Want? Homer's Odyssey as a Parable of Male Aging. Breakthrough, the human, the divine human, the final transformation of sacred aging. Okay, so obviously not the God of the Bible. 